Hello and welcome to the Future of Learning show. So my name's Lloyd, I'm the host here. If this is your first time, let me just briefly describe what the podcast is about. So there's a quote from William Gibson that says, the future is already here, it's just not evenly distributed. And I really like that quote because it demonstrates a lot of what we do in our practice. What is innovative to one person is old hat um, or outdated to another. And in this podcast, we look at varying themes from learning and development and try and turn those into reality. So last week, for example, we looked at voice first and we took away that actually you could go onto the Amazon developer store and make an application or test right away. Today's episode is really about learner-centered approaches. So actually, I'm very fortunate enough to speak with Jamie Brooker. So Jamie Brooker is one of the founding partners at We Are Human, and he's a co-founder of Kahoot. So Kahoot in the edtech space, if you have not heard of it or explored it, I'd be very surprised. They've got over 70 million active users worldwide and over 1.6 billion users since it started in 2013. Check it out if you haven't done so already. And it's really built on sound pedagogy and design principles. That's what comes out in this episode from Jamie in particular. And then I think hopefully the, the key takeaways for all of us. You will hear th- with the word education or teaching. Likewise, you'll hear learning and development. But I really want you to try and think about those things being the same to a degree. So it's about human being on the other side of whatever you're trying to impose of them when it comes to learning. So a little bit more about Jamie. So as I mentioned, co-founder of Kahoot. He's a really good design thinker um, and uses a human-centered approach to any to anything he produces with his team. I start off by asking Jamie a little bit more about the background to Kahoot and how they got there and then Jamie explores those design principles and the pedagogy and there's some key takeaways throughout. I hope you guys enjoy the show. If I was going all the way back I was always um, you know more interested in the, the creative subjects when I was studying myself um, and so my career is is built upon design. Um, started out, I actually met my co-founder in Kahoot, Johan, 12 years ago. Uh, I'm co-founder in We Are Human as well. Um, he saw my, my second wife almost. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, tw- um, 12 years ago, uh, we met in a company called Playgroup and and I was um, designer there. We were d- designing uh, games for the likes of the BBC, um, learning platforms for for large organisations again like Unilever, and uh, doing a lot of behaviour change work as well. You know, communications campaigns and brand building around important issues in the world. And for me, it, it's just a inherent natural part of the creative process is to put the most important person at at the heart of that and that's the end user so I sort of built up my my sort of trade if you like my skills um in in that world and then in 2000 and end of 2009 start 2010 both myself and Johan actually left uh, that company and after a bit of traveling each, we sort of got back together again and um, started up We Are Human, which we really set set up as a company to be able to kind of build other companies in that reflect our view of the world, really, that have, have an impact on people's lives, 
you know, not just social impact, they need any any business needs commercial impact as well. And Kahoot emerged from there. So we met our co-founder Morton um, because of the talk that Johan was doing around play. Morton was exploring mobile technology and how that could be used to bring people together in the same physical space. And the three of us, as well as some other people, um, started exploring, you know, ideas uh, around this concept of, of harnessing mobile technology, but to actually create real human social behaviours, because what we were observing was that people were had their heads buried in their devices and actually started to ignore people. And we wanted to, as we said back then, end the BlackBerry prayer. And... Um, you know, you can obviously tell that this was a few years ago because you wouldn't really have that. Yeah, lots days. of BlackBerry, man. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, without going into too much detail, we did a lot of prototyping in different spaces, you know, from more kind of commercial settings such as shopping centres and cinemas, which was essentially using play and gaming um, to create these kind of social experiences through to team building and businesses um, we actually connected um, the game server that we that Morton had developed to a mechanical bull for a milkshake brand, and you could use the gyrometer in your phone to move the mechanical bull, and your friend would sit on it, and you'd see how long they could last on it before they fell off. <laughs> all great fun. Yeah. It's not Kahoot, obviously, but we took all the learnings around that, which was really about observing human behaviours um, around how we could get you know everything from ease of use and accessibility to how do you get a whole room of people focused on one experience which is of course a massive challenge that teachers face and just the the general behaviors around how we can engage people and connect them in the same physical location And, and that's where we made the shift into the learning space which is really where our true passions are when we set up we are human we said to ourselves that you know whatever it is we end up doing uh, the, the businesses that we would build are going to be in areas that we really care about. And, and learning was one of the ones we identified. And, and so Kahoot sort of emerged from there because Kahoot, you know, a lot of the stuff we were prototyping, it didn't have, uh, a, there wasn't necessarily a scalable proposition there, but it, it was helping us learn and continue to um, understand the people that would be using our products so we could get to a point where we could develop a scalable proposition. And that's where the platform idea of Kahoot comes in, where, you know, it isn't just people playing games, but it's actually people creating games and and creating games for the purpose of learning. And so we we could put all those behaviors together that we'd we'd discovered through our kind of research and development and prototyping and, and Kahoot sort of emerged from there. And I think there's a lot of technology out there that's used in learning and it's the hashtag edtech, right? But whether this augmented reality or virtual reality or whatever it may be, the excuse the pun, but the, the schools are the ultimate playground because if it works in there, I think it can work anywhere because teachers have very limited time, zero budget. And that was a huge, I think a huge success. One of the reasons Kahoot did so well, it solved that problem. But also, I think you mentioned brand there. It must have been ace because in my, in my old role, I was a teacher and then a teacher trainer um, at a further education college. 
and we used to network with other other colleges and every single teacher I seemed to uh, meet told me that they discovered this great tool you know so that kind of brand for you guys was like a domino effect um, yeah because it yeah. added so much uh, a value ace yeah it was really exciting, obviously, when we saw that. I mean, just to expand on your point about um, the schools, you know, and the brand in itself is like we we see Kahoot as as a learning brand, you know, and, and learning is a is a human behaviour. It is not a school behaviour. It's not a child behaviour. It it's really is, you know, something wrong if you if you stop learning. Yeah? And, and that's the philosophy we applied to Kahoot. So we we took all those learnings from previous um, iteration and prototyping that I mentioned, and and we really wanted Kahoot to be for. We had this kind of saying, "The learner in us all." But of course, strategically, to launch a product, you need to uh, you can't just launch it to everyone. You need to there needs to be a strategy behind it, and that was where teachers and schools really came in and we said to ourselves you know the the, fun, the, the sort of the fundamental founding pillars of Kahoot is about so, being social learning socially and doing that through play so gaming and that's what the pedagogy is built upon and we said to ourselves well you know what, what is the most relevant place for us to create initial impact and that is of course schools and you know the classroom is actually a ready-made social space and you can argue whether it's been set up in the right way, but just the, the actual fact that people are coming together for the purpose of learning meant that it was the right place to start. But the, the trick and the, I guess the strategy we had was to not box ourselves in as just a classroom tool, which plays on the brand thing that you're talking about, is that we really wanted to position ourselves as this brand that shows more kind of social playful way to learn because we built we, we we really felt that if we could build that up then what we were doing is helping people um ultimately unlock their potential because what we were trying to do is is engage them motivate them excite them and that's why you see actually the same product is used in uh, school as in businesses or events or you know the biggest game we had for a while was 4,000 seniors learning about what the internet is using exactly the same product. Whoever um, set that up, you know, that's a lot of courage. I can feel I can feel their anxiety before that kicked up, but bravo them, whoever did it. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it was so exciting because, you know, we before we landed upon Kahoot, we were mocking up these kind of visuals of games being played in large settings where really the fundamental thing that was happening were people coming together to to have a shared experience and then that was like when we saw the videos I was, it, it did kind of blow my mind because that was the realization of it and of course like you just said there it was kind of humbling as well because we put so much focus on accessibility ease of use and um, because it is no simple challenge to be someone hosting a, a session you know as a teacher does or as a as a someone who's on stage at an event with a lot of people in the audience how do you get all of those people to focus and that was kind of like the first challenge we had and then we believe that if we can get everyone to focus they can have this shared experience that adds some kind of joy and fun to to the learning experience itself and when you do that um, I believe the possibilities become greater because the first challenge we've got 
in in um, helping people reach their potential is to get them excited to you know to explore what their potential could be yeah and um just to bring people together and have the fun the last two i've got a, a large family so there's um i've got six brothers and sisters and we've all got kids and so it's kind of like a scene from home alone at christmas when we all get together the last two christmas <laughs> last two christmases we've um, my younger brother has created uh, a kahoot christmas quiz and it, you're right it's so it's so great it brings everyone together the young kids could have got a mobile phone or a tablet to put their answers in but um and i know that might sound cheesy saying that but it's just an example of the um the power it's done to bring people together like you said so yeah yeah that that is like a great example of what we were trying to do because you know there is always a spike on christmas day and uh, new year's eve for for kahoot being played which you know is out of the out of the norm from because it's out of school time. But the point is that we wanted to create an experience that didn't feel like all the other boring things you do at school. So we wanted to actively encourage learners to take it beyond the classroom, play it with their family, um, and we did that through product design, brand design, and you know trying to understand the intrinsic motivations behind behind it so that we could also really actually genuinely reward people uh, not in a superficial way but one where they felt they feel progress and they feel excitement and therefore they want to do it again and start to put their learning into practice and that's actually where the, the students go away and create their own games which is you know is a core part of the pedagogy have you seen the app uh, hq you, Sorry, what was it called? HQ. Have you seen that? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's for me. Is you? That's the only replication of the the buzz or the sense of excitement that I've had from since using Kahoot in a, you know, in that setting. Um, yeah, I mean, um, HQ have um, nailed that one. You know, it's, it's a it's a brilliant experience. Um, it's something we were talking about for a long time as well. Uh, you know, you can you can extend. You see the Kahoot experience extended virtually as well, but people, uh, you know, it, some, it's like a classroom versus classroom, for example, on different continents using Skype or Google Hangouts or something to play together. Um, and I think they've, yeah, they've kind of captured the that sort of sense of progress and and everything behind it. Mm. And it's still, yeah, great. I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent, but I'm going to stop myself there. <laughs> so <laughs> you... Um, did a really good article. Uh, I think it was a couple of months ago on some of the some of the challenges that you observe around edtech organisations. Essentially, not putting the learner first. Why do you think? Why do you think that is the case? And maybe you can just um, paraphrase your thoughts from the article. That is. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of wrote that because of you know I've been meeting a, a hell of a lot of companies since I left my day-to-day role in Kuhu. not all of them edtech I should say and you know I, I, I firmly believe uh, that creating impact at, at the very individual level um, basically at the end users level is the most important thing you can do in when you're building any any startup because that's where um, that's where essentially growth comes from there because that's where if you really create impact all you're doing is you're looking at the per, the end user kind of holistically as a as a unique individual 
understanding that not everyone is the same and you're, you're designing an experience that uh, tries to improve their life, essentially. And I, it's, I know it's an obvious thing to say, and every startup will say that that's what they're trying to do. But the reality is that building a startup is not easy. Yeah? Like the biggest challenge I see any startup that I'm advising, uh, the, you know, the question they always ask me is, how do I prioritize? I've got, I could do this, I could do that. And then when we sort of narrow it down into edtech, I sort of started to get a bit frustrated, actually, for, for several reasons. So one thing is I felt like a lot of edtech companies, their priorities were wrong. And and I'm and I'm I believe it is not easy. So it's not a criticism, it was more just a frustration. Uh, where I don't think they were factoring in you know, it's almost, for a lot of companies, it's almost, a, they feel like it's a given that people are going to use their products. So I know it's not, it really isn't. And then when you look at actually learning and education as a, as a, a sector or a market or whatever you want to call it, it's like, really, whose who's lives should we in, be impacting here? Like, really, if we're doing this to further things and move education on as a sector, is um, is the end learners' lives. Even if you're developing a tool for a teacher, you're doing that so that they can improve the lives of the end learner. And I don't think that's really thought through enough in the majority of edtech I see. And, and to be honest, a lot of it's boring. A lot of it is, I believe it. They, there's a lot of tools out there which is just a bit throwaway. Someone else will come along and do it. And, and the reason I think that is because no one's trying to rethink how how the experience happens. What they're trying to do is take the existent, existing school experience and maybe try and make that a bit more efficient, for example, or try and give the teacher more data on students without trying to understand the role of that data, how that data can impact the lives of the learners and actually create new behaviours. Now, for me, real innovation is about creating um, new, more improved human behaviours that aren't just making the established behaviours a bit more effective or efficient, but are actually trying to push it in a direction that I think hopefully everyone would agree is a more positive direction. And I think, um, you know, for all the will of people within education they need they need support from beyond education as well and i think i don't think many tech companies really realize that their role can be to push that conversation further to to genuinely try to shift behaviors um for the better um and then the other the other problem and again it's it's not a criticism it's more a frustration is of course there's the commercial aspect of it. Any any startup needs to become viable. You know, you need to build sustainability into what you're doing. So you can't just ruthlessly focus on the learner and forget everything else. However, I do believe that if your product is developed in a learner-centered way, then the opportunities to generate revenue from it are going to be greater because the impact is going to be felt from everyone throughout the sort of 
the hierarchy, if you like, within the education system. You know, learners are always at the end of the hierarchy, which is why they're genuine, generally uh, quite often forgotten about because people are so focused on, oh, we need to speak to districts to get to get money or we need to go straight to teachers and build a tool because for them, because teachers are going to be the ones who are responsible for our product being used. But it's like, you know, I, I speak to any teacher, their, their goal is the same as mine, which is to help learners reach their potential or unlock their potential. And I think that should be like the goal of ed tech almost. Um, that's why I just get, I get sort of frustrated, basically, um, when I just feel like a lot of companies not, they, they sort of put, the learners are almost last in their thinking. I can, I'm getting flashbacks of everything I used to go through at, um, at the college. And I think where the tool was good and the model you've taken there is it, it fits within the teacher's ecosystem of day-to-day life, which in turn fits with the students. And some some tools were, when I was teaching, sometimes pushed upon us. And even now I see some tools and I think, okay, this just feels cool. Yeah, but, you know, but what value it takes me it may take me or the user away from their natural experience and when I stumbled upon um, Kahoot what really struck me straight away was a this is very engaging so I think at the time I was teaching uh, anatomy and physiology and we were going through various muscular systems that are a challenge and I thought then when I saw the Excel data um, sheet after fantastic because I would, I would um, go through my mind, you start a lesson as a diagnostic, if you like, or you start a scheme of work on a diagnostic. Where are these learners today? And then you've got this ongoing formative assessment and then, you know, finally summative. And I just, I just feel that sometimes other ed tech tools do not take, and other organisations don't appreciate the, uh, the, again, that teaching ecosystem for assessment. And people may listen and say that this they don't buy into this. Or there's no such thing as this type of assessment. Or then that's all fine. And that's their, their opinion. But the reality is for teachers, this is how it's set up in their scheme of work. So they've got a syllabus to go to. And a tool like Kahoot, which is fantastic. And this, for me, at the start and the end of sessions, to really engage and capture the imagination and attention of all those learners. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously that's uh, always, it's always humbling to hear these stories from from our users, and I think what you're what you're talking about there really is is the pedagogy of Kahoot. What's often missed is that the behaviour of using a product is often different to the use cases of using a product. So I'll come on to the pedagogy in a bit more detail in a second. But what I mean by that is that so Kahoot is like this kind of horizontal platform, yeah, where it's basically we try to keep it as flexible as possible. We have this saying that we're focused on how you learn, not what you learn. We believe, for example, yourself, when you were, as a, as a teacher, you are the expert in what you're teaching and what you want to support your students in learning. What we're trying to do is focus on the behavior of learning. And that's, as I mentioned previously, is, you know, the one, the, the behavior that we're looking at is one that's more social, that disrupts the the layout of a classroom, you know, stops um, heads being buried in textbooks or even like iPads and devices um, and focuses 
um, attention in this more kind of social space and does that through gaming. So, for example, one of the design insights behind Kahoot is is to look up. So we don't, you know, we don't put questions and answers on the learner's device. That's all on the screen at the front. And that's very purposely designed because if you... So we prototyped it with questions and answers on the device. And what I can tell you is the experience was really, really crap. <laughs> and the reason it was crap was because everyone had their heads buried in their device, the BlackBerry Prayer I talked about before. And what happens then is they're just answering questions. And so they're just, you might as well just do that on pen and paper if you want, or use, use another tool that, um, that gives the student, sorry, gives the teacher the data, because that's all you're doing is, is a data collection exercise. What Kahoot's trying to do, as well as provide the teacher with the data, you know, the, you mentioned the Excel sheet, the formative assessment data also is displayed throughout the game as well. What Kahoot's trying to do is improve the learning behavior. And in a way it does that is it encourages everyone to look up. What happens when everyone's looking up is students engage in discussion with each other about the content that they're learning. It creates this more kind of proactive, social, enjoyable learning space. You know, hugging and cheering and shouting. Like a game of Kahoot really encourages noise. So what we are focused on is that behavior. And we really, really spend a lot of time studying this and developing those behaviors. And then the, I think, um, you know, the strategy we had and what you kind of mentioned around the use cases, so assessment, uh, formative assessment as one use case, is that we launched it as this horizontal platform where it's like you, anyone can create a game on any topic for any ability, any age range. And then when you host those games, so if you're a teacher hosting it, or as I'll come on to the pedagogy where we actually encourage the, the learners to be the ones who create the game and host them. But let's say it's the teacher. The teacher can use Kahoot for many, many different reasons because it creates the right behaviors around learning for them. So, you know, and maybe sort of lighter touch, more common use case is revision or reviewing. But there are many other use cases that, you know, everything from um, the formative assessment one that you mentioned to I know, introdu introducing new teacher at the start of the school year through to actually, you know, replacing all your past tools for teaching content. You know, forget about PowerPoint, actually exactly, yeah. an entire game of an entire lesson through a game of Kahoot. I've, I've been in classes where I've seen teachers play a game for an hour. And the game is really facilitating the learning experience, which is a much more social and, let's say, fairer learning experience because you know, what it does is it sort of le levels the playing field. Those, those uh, learners who are disinterested or feel kind of left out because they lack confidence or because there are other ones who are, um, you know, always answering the questions uh, with their hands up, uh, dominating the experience. It actually level, levels it out quite significantly. And so those are the behaviours that really we're focused on. And, and so if I move on to the pedagogy, you know, the point of the pedagogy, we call it learners to leaders, 
is to take a learner on this journey from being a passive learner in the traditional classroom sense, which is teacher talking, everyone's sitting there, it sort of, you know, goes in one ear, for some of them it'll stick, others it will go out the other the other ear. Um, so kind of taking them from that journey to actually leading the classroom. And so our, the pedagogy is a, a combination of a, a classic behavioural model. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, read the book Hooked by Nir Eyal, but he has a, a, a hook. He has a model there, um, which we sort of adapted that. You know, that's around um, creating habits, basically. Now, of course, that kind of methodology can be used uh, very negatively, but um, I believe it can be used very positively for, for good things. So it's about understanding behaviours and creating new behaviours, which is what I mentioned previously. And then the other two layers of the pedagogy are a classic gaming model, you know, where you, you become, you're, you start off as a player, but as you evolve through a game world, you, you, you master the game, you actually become the host, you create games as well. You know, if you look at online gaming, it's as much about creating the game worlds as it is and problem solving through that as it is about just playing the games. And then the, the classics or learning model, you know, particularly around project-based learning where you want to encourage students not to just be passive learners, but where they actively go away and take their learning into their own hands and do the, the sort of research and discovery. And so we layered all of those models together uh, to create the Kahoot Learners to Leaders model, where basically what we're trying to encourage is for learners to become game designers. So it's not just teachers creating games and hosting them in their classroom. That's the very beginning of the model. But because the experience is hopefully compelling enough, the learners are going away and they're starting to create their own games of Kahoot. And, and really the game design becomes the way of manifesting their their research, their problem solving. They do it in groups, so it's collaboration. Um, it's about asking really good questions. And, you know, you can assess a level of understanding from a, a learner by the quality of question they ask, from the quality of the right answers or even the wrong answers equally, because if they're creating a good learning game, a good learning game through Kahoot has a narrative throughout. It has structure. It builds upon concepts. It shares everything they've learned through their, re their research process in the form of a well-structured narrative and game. And then, of course, they then get, they're empowered to lead the class. So they become uh, the teacher. They take on the teaching role. The teacher then shifts their behaviour and actually plays the game. So they almost take on the learner role. And they're assessing everything from the research, the quality of questions, through to communication skills as well. How are they hosting, how are they facilitating this game with their classmates? How are they explaining to them why the correct answer is correct, why the incorrect answers are incorrect? And then within that kind of, let's say that's a subtopic of the main topic that's being taught, um, they then become leaders in that topic you know, amongst their classmates, and their classmates are learning from them. And then the awesome thing is they go back and sit, sit down to play the next game, which their classmates have created on another subtopic. And it creates this brilliant learning uh, experience that we've seen applied to 
particularly sort of project-based learning. Um, and just on just just on that as well, I think one of the the other things maybe you mentioned you may have included this in some of your terms, but you've got the assessment, but differentiation is huge. And I've given some examples about schools, but um, we we are using this in my company day day to day for large training programs, and even sometimes just just that data, knowing that you could put person X with person B because you know that interaction will help person B that in turn is going to help the learner. And then from a business perspective, it speeds up that process of learning whilst, like you say, they become more empowered and more engaged in that whole process. Yeah, exactly. And that, it goes back to what I was saying before about focusing on the behaviours. So it's the same behaviours in in a business as it is in a classroom. And yeah, it's used a lot in companies, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world, everything from you know, employee engagement through to training and learning and development. And, you know, the, the data plays a huge role in that because if you go back to the concept of thinking in a learner-centered uh, way, it's, it's really helping everyone understand their progress. It's rewarding them. You know, the progress is manifested through game design, you know, getting streaks and points, understanding where you are amongst your colleagues as it is in a work situation um but really what that's doing is giving you a sense of progress it shows that you you know you are you are progressing and you're you're getting to the next step and and that those behaviors are are really really important in the business setting as much as they are in the you know the academic the traditional uh, learning setting that we often think of being schools the key thing is again comes we spoke earlier about the ed tech companies putting the the, the learner first but i also think there's a before everyone um, well everyone's already using kahoot that's obvious with the data but before people use it and think it will solve everything it's understanding that it's a tool in your pedagogic box whether you're in in education like you say or um, in learning and development because um, so you mentioned earlier about sometimes sometimes they need to have the head down, especially if mock exams, for example. And I always found uh, there's another tool, Socrative. I don't know if you've seen it. It was good for that in that situation because it suited the mock exam experience for us. I think that's an important takeaway because because if you don't use it, if you don't use any tool, edu- education tool, in its right context, then it can sometimes create the the wrong behaviours or may even disengage. So to use my example there of a mock exam, if someone needs like five minutes to answer a question, forcing them over 30 seconds, it doesn't help if you're with me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. It, you know, it actually makes me angry when I occasionally see these stories of um, teachers using Kahoot for summative assessment. You know, I saw, actually saw a student talking about it on Twitter and it, it made me angry because she was saying... Basically, she was saying that my teacher doesn't understand what Kahoot is. Um, you know, why would you use Kahoot for summative assessment? And and the reason she got un- angry was actually because I think the internet dropped in her school, and so she couldn't place an answer. And and of course, she dropped marks. And and it's like, well, I wish I could speak to her teacher to just explain that. You kind of miss. You have missed the point of what Kahoot is there, and you know, of course, you could argue that maybe we haven't ex- done a good enough job in explaining it. Explaining it, but I think what's happened there is, you know, we the when we've done all of our research at the beginning, 
and development and prototyping, we made the decision to launch on the Kahoot platform the first game as the simplest possible game you could ever imagine. And that's a, a quiz, multiple choice quiz, because we wanted to get um, scale. We wanted to take those behaviors I talked about and, and be able to reach scale with those behaviors. So we had needed a conduit to do that. We chose multiple choice quiz for a number of reasons. You know, it, it kind of rode some waves in the, particularly in the States around common core curriculum, but really it was the simplest way to manifest those behaviors. But of course, people have looked at the, the format of that, the multiple choice quizzes, and sometimes you see people using it in really the wrong context. And so to go back to your point, is like technology is technology is just a facilitator of human behaviors. It's not a solution to all of your problems. And I think that's maybe where a lot of people go a bit wrong. And therefore, technology in the wrong hands, let's say, can be really misused. Um, and of course, it's the role of the company to, to help educate through the product design, through the onboarding, through the user experience, the kind of the best ways to harness the power of the technology to create the right behaviors. But sometimes, and I have to say I've been into some classrooms really sadly with some really bad teachers. No technology is going to solve that. So edtech is not going to be a solution to, to that as a problem. There's going to need to be other ways of solving that. Um, so yeah, to go back to your point, like, you know, it can be overused. Kahoot could be overused. If a teacher used Kahoot every every lesson of every day, I'm pretty certain uh, a, a learner is going to get bored of it quite quickly. So it's 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 in the toolbox, like you say, and Kahoot's really when you want to. It's, it's where you want to. You want engagement, and you want people to get excited about something. You want to spark discussion and debate. And the process of doing that allows you to get an understanding of how they're understanding it. It's refreshing to hear you, um, someone else talk like that, Jamie, I must say. And That's good to hear. <laughs> in, the, in the learning and development world, let's say blended learning is becoming more and more popular. But to, to your point, really, well, I think what you're saying, we're both saying is some people just don't get the principles of the, you know, how, people, how people learn and the user experience or the pedagogy. But so if you take blended learning as one example, then what's probably happening more and more is people will just reduce the time face to face. And then the online stuff is just you've got to go and do that online, maybe you know, yeah. interact and stuff. And, and that for me sometimes is why it's not working, because people are not. They're trying to use education, sorry, to use tools and technology to do what they've always done. Yeah. yeah if, yeah. if you don't have the pedagogic understanding, like you say, to be a bad teacher, nothing's going to change that. Um, but also likewise, if you're not thinking creatively about how this is, these tools can help you, what, what's the difference for the user? And, and that's where I think in blended learning, some users can become disengaged with that process and, and essentially not learn as, as well. Yeah. And, and I would add, I would add to that, that there's, there is another problem. It's like the, the ed tech industry, it, it likes to talk from this kind of. I don't know the best way to describe it, but a sort of a grandiose way a lot of the times. You know, it talks about 
millions of, of students around the world. It talks about trends around um, new technologies and, and improving literacy rates and things like that. You know, I'm, I'm talking, there's, there's a whole, if you go to like an EdTech event, and I, I, so I noticed some tweets from an event that was in London this week that just, just kind of frustrated me again because it's like, okay, we're having the same conversation here. It's like, here are the, the EdTech trends. Here are the trends of the next 20 years in education. Here is this, here is that. It's like, it's like okay, we, number one, this is the same thing we've been talking about for five years now. Like, you can throw in all the, the the VR or the um, machine learning you want, um, but like I really don't think we're looking at this from the right perspective here because you're still not talking about people, humans, and learning. <laughs> so, like, don't get me wrong. We need to be aware of the technologies. We need to be aware of trends like blended learning and MOOCs. You know, MOOCs. But the, the the savior of education five years ago when we were starting Kahoot, I would go to like South by Southwest and all these other conferences and people putting MOOCs up on a pedestal. And and you know what? It's like it's it's rubbish. It's rubbish. Like yes, it might it will in that's that's gonna solve one thing, I think. Accessibility to good educational content. It's not going to save, it's not going to be the, the future of education. Like, we really need, like, a, a combined effort. You know, there's other things it solves. I'm, I'm sort of simplifying the argument just for the, the sake of this, this conversation. I can feel your passion. I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just because, like, people love fads and trends. And, and it's the same not just in education. It's in other, other kind of walks of life. It's a really good point. Yeah. Um, and thank you. So I'm going to come at the next question and you can put your We Are Human hat on. Um, if you, so today with the tools available to you being, you know, the learner design you mentioned earlier, the problem-based learning approach as well as technology, if you were to have a stab at doing Kahoot, imagine Kahoot hasn't ha happened before. If you were to have a crack, let's say from today, what would you think a tool like that might look like? Yeah, good question. So I think there was... You know, when we launched Kahoot in 2013, there were certain market conditions that meant the way we launched it made sense back then. You know, I think the debates back then were, um, should we allow tablets in the classroom? And I, I listened to some absolutely ridiculous stuff um, about how to harness the power of it. I, I, thankfully, those conversations have moved on now. There's less fear around, you know, kids using Facebook rather than studying. <laughs> um, I really heard some ridiculous stuff and the only solution a lot of people could come up with in some of these sort of round tables I went to was, um, oh, what if we took the textbook and put it on the tablet? It's like, oh, genius, you know. <laughs> I, I Just an anecdote to share with you, my first year of teaching, because um, I designed the Facebook, it found, sounds cringy saying this because it's so like obvious, designed the Facebook standards for learning at the college I was working at and someone so before that was doing a lesson and people were moving students were moving around and engaging on the Facebook chat and we were using it might have been Kahoot at the time as well actually and someone came into the classroom a senior a member of staff and basically stood me down and said this is how the learning should be sat down taking notes from your um, notes on the whiteboard and stuff like that and it's just cringing 
so it's nice well, it's, it's nice it's bad um to hear that those things have happened and it's also very very simplistic cutting and pasting the textbook to an ipad <laughs> well i mean so and this actually like kind of plays in with the point i was going to say like you know these these were guys from bbc and google and exam boards and basically publishers and people who own content essentially and so of course like they're looking at it from the perspective of their business model and so you know the opportunity with um startups is to do things fresh and different because uh they're there you know they're there to try and in theory as we've talked about to try and shift things to a, a different way of doing it it doesn't have to we don't have to stick to the established norms um and and yeah so my one of the things we really wanted to try and work out about them was how do you harness the behaviors around this technology that was you know still quite emerging back then you know mobile social technology that does inherently connect people how can you do that to enhance the behaviors around learning when you're in the classroom and if i'm totally honest with you the philosophy around that uh, that we have back then would be the same today if Kahoot didn't exist because I don't I don't see too many other products that are focused on behavioural design and, and with the pedagogy that I believe in you know I think a pedagogy is almost your view of the world mm-hmm. not everyone's going to agree with my with the Kahoot pedagogy I, I accept that it's a philosophy yeah exactly it's, it, exactly it's a philosophy to learning that we built around play and and kind of social learning and so if Kahoot didn't exist the philosophies would be very similar because it reflects my my view of the world really um but like i said the market conditions were su- such that uh co- common core curriculum had emerged um you know that stipulated a couple of things one that assessment would be done online and number two that um multiple choice would play a big role in that so of course that that informed the the way all these behaviors manifested itself in our product which became a quiz but uh, it didn't have to be a quiz it could have been other games you know some of the games we were prototyping beforehand were much more immersive games like explorative games team building games collaborative games discovery games um but we of course for growth we also wanted the simplest possible game because you know technology is still like a lot of teachers do they struggle a bit with implementing new technology because it it sort of creates a, a disruption yeah i don't mean disruption in a negative way but there's almost a bit of a fear about how do we integrate this into our practice because you know i think this is working the way i'm doing it now i think is working i don't want to break that because Actually, the time I have with my students is quite precious, and and if it goes wrong, then it, you know that's actually potentially disastrous. I think me. some teachers as well, by the way, also, and I use the word some before anyone calls me out. <laughs> get they have their scheme of work and they have their powerpoints or their resources all set up, and it's a it's a cut and paste job each year, and that's also a challenge as well to break them from that mindset. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Actually, some the data in Kahoot shows that sometimes a teacher will sign up and not use it for nine months. And that's basically because they sort of, they don't want to break the things they've got planned. They want to 
be able to really sort of trial it and feel really confident with it, basically, um, which I do understand. I really understand that. Um, so therefore, they'll wait until the next school year. <laughs> uh, iterate their way through to 2030. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at, you talk about shifting behaviours, like education is definitely one of those more, the slower sectors to shift behaviours, uh, but also um, it creates some crazy sort of retention numbers in, in our data. Um, but, you know, that's just sort of, is, is a realistic reflection. So to go to your question, I would, there wouldn't be a huge amount of things I would change, but maybe, um, so I think there would be a role for a behavioral experience that uh, is really there, you know, the, the mission of Kahoot is to make learning something that people want to connect with. I think there's a role for that, basically. Um, how the product design might look could be different because the world has evolved a bit. You know, you mentioned HQ. That would probably be something we would reference um, because one of the biggest things we tried to do was we wanted Kahoot to, you know, I don't even think Snapchat was widely used back then, but the best way to explain it is uh, we wanted Kahoot to be, we wanted a learner to look at Kahoot in the same way they'd look at Snapchat rather than you know, all the other bland uh, ed tech tools you see out there, which are just lacking emotion, lacking, they're very clinical, they're, they're process driven, they're, they're utilities, but Kahoot's not a utility, it's a behavior. It's, a, it's, a, it's an emotive experience. So I don't know what it would look like, the Kahoot of 2018, uh, but I believe it would be built upon the same principles and, and uh, design methodology. Cool. For what it's worth, behind the scenes, if, you, if you're learning and development and you've, you're running a six-week course and you're doing the daily quizzes or if you're a teacher, I think in my mind it would um, what might add further value to the teacher and to your earlier point, therefore the learners, it's just to know, okay, this, this learner's got 72%, but this learner normally gets 85%. So, okay, okay, what's up with this person today? Is there, is there any, can I ask them questions? You know, that type of, um, which might have, I put AI in our notes. It might have, is that AI? Is that an algorithm? I don't, I don't yeah, know. But... I, I think um, some machine learning, you know, will, has to play a role. Kahoot's actually got a lot of, you know, there's a lot Kahoot can do with what it's got today in terms of that that information to, to enhance the learning experience. And I'll go back to what I said before. It's still so so to from a teacher's perspective, it's 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 educating a te- a teacher on the progress of their students. I would argue the game is one of the reasons why they're making the progress, if that makes sense. It so, makes sense, yeah. So the data is a consequence of the experience of, of, of having played the game itself. And, um, you know, I think if we want to talk about new technologies, uh, I still think the Kahoot of today has got a lot to evolve. Cool. Um, the final question for me then, before we dive into the quickfire questions and then wrap up, I think I know what you're going to say here, but uh, what tips would you give to anyone that wants to be more learner-centered in any environment in what they do? The point is that by adopting a philosophy that places 
the end user, if we're talking in a more specific case of the learning environment, the end learner at the heart and helps you make decisions from that perspective. If we're doing it like that, if you if you if you adopt that philosophy, then and then you you run an effective process that allows you to the the criteria with which you validate becomes about how the learner behaves and you know trying to spot the right behaviors then i think you've got much more chance of creating real impact okay thank you and the final quick fire question for me if you could change one thing about your industry what would it be uh, i think it's kind of touched upon is just more grassroots thinking less less grandiose top-down thinking that's not to say we don't need that it's really important you need different people pushing it in different directions I just really want to see more grassroots, you know, learner-centered um, experience. You know, people thinking about the actual experience itself and how we can push that on. Okay. Well, Jamie, thank you for coming on to the show. I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and no doubt the insight you've given will help others on their uh, journey as well. Thank you very My much. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the discussion. Take care. Cheers. Thank you, Jamie, for your time on the show there. Uh, really appreciated that conversation. And hopefully you guys have got something or some reflections to take away from it. Again, thank you to all of you who listened. I, every episode I've said, I know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there and you've decided to give your time to listen to this one. So once again, thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. If you like the episode today, all I'd ask is if on your social main social media channel, please just share it with some comments. If it's offered, that's if it's offered value. If it hasn't, please don't. Um, the other ask I will uh, make is that on iTunes, if you could write a review of some sort, positive or negative, that reflects your experience with the episode or the previous podcast, I would be very grateful for that. So just a bit of a insight into next week's episode. I've got Mike Taylor as a special guest and we explore how learning and development teams can work closer with the communication and marketing departments with questions all from the audience, I should add. Now, I think that's a very hot topic at the moment and I hope you look forward to that one next week. But for today, thank you for your time and you'll hear from me soon. <laughs>